Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Catholic Cafe. And we have a uh, a wonderful guest with us, Tom. Tom we do Dorian. indeed. We do indeed. Uh, brought him all the way from Africa. I'm looking forward to hearing you try to pronounce some of the words. Well, I'll do the best I can, but I'll I'll, I'll just do what I always do and say it fast and hold my hand over my mouth, and no one will ever know what Excellent. I'm saying. Wonderful. Tom Dorian. Uh, Thank you for being here as our co-host. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. The salary is exactly the, what we want it to be. It's zero. But anyway, that aside, we do give you a 10% discount on the menu at the Catholic Cafe. Yeah, absolutely. That's big here. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, what we do want to do is start our show, uh, and we have a wonderful guest, as I've mentioned, and it's Father Elias Kekong Bisong. Uh, Father Elias teaches theology and philosophy at St. Joseph Major Seminary, and he's in Ekot Ekpene, Nigeria. Wow. Uh, I, did I do okay with that? That is good. That is good. That, well, I appreciate that. We're just going to call you Father Elias. Father Elias is fine. They're very good. And so, Father Elias, welcome to the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. It's my pleasure. The topic we've chosen for today's show is the Universal Church. As Catholics, we believe that Christ founded one church, not not many churches, and that church is universal. So let's start at the beginning. What, what about the name Catholic? When we say Catholic, what do we mean? The word Catholic, as we use it, is not found in the Bible as we pronounce it, as we use it day to day. The word Catholic is a Greek word from Catholicos. Catholicos, right. Catholicos means universal. So the church which Christ founded is universal. We see it uh, as Catholics. We see that as an identity thing. We see that as, well, we are Catholic. Just as if I am, my last name is Drzymski, so I'm a Drzymski. But really, if we understand the root and the meaning of that word, we understand Mm -hmm. that 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 root and that meaning actually has something to do with our identity as well in being universal. Yes, because if we understand the term Catholic Church, the church that is universal, it is universal in terms of place. All right, so if it's, a, if it's universal in terms of place, that means the entire world, the everybody. The entire world. It's everybody. meant for everybody. Right. In the entire world, all corners of the earth. Right. Catholic, universal. But what, what's another sense that we could mean Catholic? We can also use the term Catholic in terms of time. It is the church that is founded by Christ till the end of the world. So it's not limited in terms of time. It is for all time. So we see that as eternal. So It's eternal. So when you use the word Catholic in terms of time, it means all the time. Right, so all times, all times, and everywhere so far, and everywhere. I know there are other senses, though. What's another sense that we might see that? We can also use the term Catholics in terms of condition of people. Right. So it is not limited to a certain class of people. It does not discriminate against a certain class of people. All conditions of people are members are invited to be members of this church. 
So it's open to everybody. It's not an exclusive club. It is not exclusive. It's open. Now, although some people have talked to me about the idea that, that Jesus, well, God had his chosen people. And so, in fact, I think there was some, some, a little bit of early stress and strife in the early years when, when we had Jews, right? And Jesus came along. Yes. And then so we had Jews that were now Christians. And so there was a little bit of uh, tension between the Jewish Christians and the Jewish people. Should we be Christian or should we be Jews? In other words, if we are the chosen people, would that be an exclusive club? Well, the chosen people as a way of which Christ is to evangelize or reach out to all others. Like, you could be a chosen person for me to use your media in order to reach others, but it is not exclusive for you because I, am cho- I have chosen to speak to you. Right, and of course we see in the, in the Acts of the Apostles yes. when uh, Peter is receiving these visions, these dreams that, uh, that the Gentiles don't need to follow the Mosaic Law. We mm-hmm. see that that's the first time we really realize, especially in Scripture, that this church is meant for everyone, for all peoples and all conditions. It is very clear, especially in the Council of Jerusalem, when the apostles met and they said, should we circumcise everybody? When they prayed over it, they said, after consulting the Holy Spirit and ah, and we, we have spoken that this Gentile Christian community need not be circumcised. And of course, that was the church who was speaking. That, that was the church That speaking. was the church. Now, there's another condition that has to do with sort of this, whole, this concept of the whole or wholeness. The Catholic Church is universal when we talked about it's not a cafeteria as you as we use it today you don't pick and choose we have all the opportunities the sacraments are there for us we the scripture and tradition the teaching authority of the church you can see that it's comprehensive this wholeness is there we don't just restrict ourselves to the scripture and exclude tradition the wholeness is there and we have that opportunity in the Catholic Church. So it's universal in teaching, universal in the mood of celebration so it's comprehensive unlike some other churches that could be limited, they choose some areas and emphasize some others. Mm -hmm. That's right, so when Christ established this church on the rock of St. Peter he, he said this church would be everything to everybody. Exactly. And for all time, it would last forever. We see all that in Scripture in many different places. And this concept of wholeness, sometimes we express that. I've heard that expression, uh, the fullness of the faith, the fullness, the fullness of, of the truth. Exactly. In fact, if you look in, uh, in, in Ephesians, in the letter to the Ephesians, uh, in chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, we hear a great quote from uh, uh, St. Paul. He says, and he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So he's saying the fullness of Christ is contained in the church. In the church. And the Second Vatican Council used another term to emphasize this same idea that the, the truth subsists in the Catholic Church. It subsists in the Catholic Church, but it's prayed all through. And we can also know the truth, the shadows of the truth, and so on. But the fullness of it is in the Catholic Church. Now, this idea of the fullness and uh, the other aspects of the, the, the eternity, 
the universality of the Catholic Church, and, it, and it's always been intended that way. This is not a new concept that we devised in the 20th century, no, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I know that there are some some quotes from 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 church fathers, from from guys writing back, you know, just a few years after after Christ um, ascended into heaven, and the church got kicked off at Pentecost. We have writers, you know, within a hundred years who are already saying things about that church in those regards. That is true. Saint Ignatius, who wrote in 110 AD emphasized the term wheresoever the bishop shall appear there let the people be even as where Jesus may be there is the universal that is Catholic Church you know the emphasis of Saint Ignatius the bishop as the center of authority in terms of teaching. So the bishop was a prophet, is a teacher of faith. The bishop is the chief pastor, is the priest who lead the, the people of God in worship. And the bishop is the king, is the one who is the administrator of the diocese. So where the bishop is, is kingship, is priestly office, and is prophetic office. That is the completeness of the faith. Right. And, of course, there are other church fathers, uh, many of whom who've, who've written in the, in the next few hundred years, that will also uh, say some of these things, same things and, and give us this idea that Christ founded one church, and within that church is the fullness uh, uh, of all truth. It, also, it subsists in that church. For instance, St. Cyril of Jerusalem wrote this, and it's a little lengthy, but I want to read it because it, it says it all. The church is called Catholic then because it extends over all the world from one end of the earth to the other and because it teaches universally and completely one and all the doctrines which ought to come to men's knowledge concerning things both visible and invisible, heavenly and earthly, and because it brings into subjection the godliness, the whole race of mankind, governors and governed, learned and unlearned. And because it universally treats and heals the whole class of sins which are committed by soul or body, and possesses in itself every form of virtue which is named, both in deeds and words, and in every kind of spiritual gifts. And this is from St. Cyril's Catechesis, uh, and that was written about 347 A.D. And so we see, even in these early years of the church, there's that fullness, there's that completeness, there's that universality. Exactly. Even St. Clement of Alexandria speaks clearly that the word Catholics imply sound doctrine as against or opposed to heresy. Absolutely. And also, we'll also quote St. Augustine, since we're, since we're reeling out the, uh, the church fathers here. Let's look at St. Augustine of Hippo in 397 AD. He said, This same is the Holy Church, the One Church, the True Church, the Catholic Church, fighting against all heresies, fight it can, be fought down, it cannot. Not only St. Augustine, after St. Augustine, St. Vincent of Lerins in 434 AD also emphasized that which has been believed everywhere, always and by all, is what truly and properly called Catholic. So there you have it. So the church fathers all agree. I don't think we'll find any church fathers that are talking about being Baptist or Methodist or any other 
uh, form or version of Christianity you might want to imagine, there was only one church. There was the church, right? And it was the Catholic church. Exactly. Well, we have more to talk about on this, uh, this subject, and so we're going to come back in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, we do want to remind everyone at home that they can listen to The Catholic Cafe on the Internet. And they can visit www.thecatholiccafe.com and they can hear all of our shows. They can download those shows and listen to them other times if they'd like to. Uh, we also would love to invite you to visit some of the websites that we have, some of the links that we have on that website to find out more about what the Catholic Church teaches. And I would love to hear from you. Email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery or licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provisions for the flesh to gratify its desires. These words of scripture brought one of the greatest sinners of his day to total conversion. This man was St. Augustine of Hippo. He has shaped our understanding of the Catholic faith for over a thousand years. St. Augustine was born in the year 354 in the Roman province of Numidia, Africa, to St. Monica and his pagan father, Patricius. He was raised in the Christian faith, but fell away as he studied at the university near his home. Though he abandoned the faith, he was a serious student of philosophy. Much like a modern student, he committed himself to many philosophical teachings and spiritual fads, but found none of them to provide any lasting fulfillment. St. Augustine sought comfort in the so-called good things of this world. He lived with his mistress for over 15 years. He enjoyed the bloody Roman games of the time and lived an all-around reckless life. By his own admission, he knew there was much more to life than earthly fulfillment. St. Augustine is famous for saying, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. During this time, his spiritual quest carried him through a career in teaching, which eventually brought him to Milan, Italy. Here he met St. Ambrose, who was a great saint and a philosophical giant. St. Augustine respected St. Ambrose, and he began to truly understand the faith. Still, even after all the intellectual understanding he gained, his conversion was a conversion of the heart. After being baptized, St. Augustine began to live as a monk and dedicated himself to the study of the scriptures. He lived with other like-minded men and eventually returned to Africa, where he became a priest and later the Bishop of Hippo. For the 35 years he served as bishop, he counseled many brother bishops, attended councils of the church, and wrote prolifically. His most famous works are Confessions and the City of God. St. Augustine is an example of someone who reformed his life and truly promoted the mission of the gospel with every fiber of his being. His writings are relevant to our own times and have guided many to a deeper faith in Christ Jesus. This great African saint's feast day is August 28th. He is a father and doctor of the church. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe 
Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back to the Catholic Cafe and the luxurious corner booth with Tom Dorian, my co-host. How you doing, Tom? I'm great. How are you? You hanging in there? I am hanging in there. All right, good. Are you having any trouble uh, understanding that this is a universal church? Or it's, you- a, it's like a tennis match for me today. You guys are going back and forth with... Uh, church fathers it's very very uh interesting well I, I saw you taking some notes there so hopefully some of that will sink in huh hopefully it'll stick kind of like those cookies that you're eating <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah all right wise guy <laughs> all right <laughs> well uh father elias kikong bisong we're excited to have you all the way from nigeria uh and i know you're in the united states right now on sabbatical i am yes and so you'll be heading back to nigeria at some point right to uh, continue to to teach i'm sure they miss you they want you back home again yeah right well we've been blessed to have you here and thank you very much for being here thanks for your appreciation you know i've had some people ask me a question or two about another aspect of this identity of being a catholic and that is we hear people say the term roman catholic roman catholic church now a lot of people think that's simply because the headquarters are in rome you know there's the vatican but it's not that quite that simple is it when did the name roman get associated with the roman catholic church you know before the separation of churches all of us were able to claim the apostles right but in the 16th century some other churches especially the protestant churches in england were also claiming the term Catholic because they were able to trace the origin of the Anglican Church to the apostles. They will be able to say their church is Catholic, their church is also universal, they could trace it to the apostle, they could trace it to almost all corners of the earth too, and they believe in most of the things that the Catholic Church today believes. So, in order to make a distinction between we, the Roman Catholic Church, and other churches who are claiming to be universal and apostolic, there was need to make this distinction that this Catholic Church we are referring to is the one that has the Pope as our leader and the headquarters is in Rome. You had many churches that did lay claim to the Catholic Term, yes. Right. And back then they had valid orders. They were definitely apostolic at that time. Yes. As they started to break away, however, things started changing and doctrines started being discarded, etc. However, at that time they, they did lay claim to Catholic and so we had to distinguish. Yes, that the Catholic Church that we are talking about is the Roman Catholic Church. The one that has never been interrupted in terms of belief, in terms of worship. 2,000 years. You're right. Uh, Father Elias, let's talk a little bit about, I know we've mentioned that you're from Nigeria, and in terms of keeping up this conversation about the universal church, many people will look at uh, the church in their hometown where they go at uh, St. Mary's and whatever city they're in, and they go to church and they have an experience, right? They have a worship experience. And at the same time, they wonder on the other side of the world somewhere, someone else is having a worship experience. And because we're universal, we're using the same readings. And so they might wonder, is it exactly the same? If I show up in Nigeria, am I going to get the same exact worship experience? What's the difference? The worship in most African countries, most dioceses, most parts of Africa, 
the people are very, very actively involved. So the involvement of the laity, the ordinary people, make the church very interesting. Let's just say that it should be that way everywhere, because the church wouldn't be the church without all its members, without all its body parts, right? That's what St. Paul's talking about with being parts of the same body, the body of Christ. So the lady hopefully will be engaged and fired up. Yes, your observation is right. But let us take a typical example like the presentation of the gift during the Eucharistic sacrifice, during Mass. And this is the part for those who are non-Catholics when the gifts of bread and wine are brought forward to the priest for, for offering. Yes. In Nigeria, that is a big ceremony. If you have the opportunity to present the gift for the Eucharistic sacrifice, you will invite your family and friends from almost every part of Nigeria. So it's a big deal. It is a big ceremony. The procession is long. People are involved. Friends will identify with you. So it is not only the wine and the bread that will become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You bring other gifts also for the improvement of the church, for the development of seminarians, for the structures that the church will use in order that the buildings of the church is maintained. So it's a big ceremony. So that would take time. For example, if you should invite 20, 30, 40, 50 friends and others in the church will identify with you, that ceremony alone during Mass in some places will last 30 minutes. Wow. We're used to, in America, a one-hour Mass. But uh, from my experience and, and talking with several different African priests, that Masses elsewhere, and particularly in some in Africa, can go for two hours or more. Or three or four. Depending on the ceremony that day. But the point here is really that we're talking about these differences in culture and that we worship within our culture to a certain degree and that that worship needs to um, assimilate with our culture and our culture assimilate with that worship where it becomes one. And it will be different in different countries and different cultures. The expression, what we believe and what we express is the same. The mood of expressing it will be different. What we celebrate is the same. How we celebrate could be different. Maybe you have a cantor and there I have a large choir, but we sing the same hymns or the same theology and that is applied to the universal church. Then it is adapted by way of enculturation to local churches. It is the same belief. And again, that's one of the beauties of being a universal church. You really get the sense that it is universal because the same truth is taught. The same truth is believed. The same truth is experienced. It's just experienced in a different way. Exactly. I am Nigerian. I was trained in Europe. And I I arrived in the United States on Friday. On Saturday, I went to the altar and expressed the same thing. And that's a beautiful thing. I remember one time uh, when I was a younger man, I went to Mass... Um, I happened to be out of town and went to Mass on a Sunday, and I was in Hong Kong. And I went to Mass, and the only available Mass to me at that time was in Chinese. And so I went to the Chinese Mass, and they spoke in Chinese. And I was able to follow by having an, an English missile with me. I was able to follow exactly what they were doing, and I worshipped with the Chinese people. The structure of the Mass is the same. The 
content is the same, the theology is the same, but the way it is expressed might be different because of languages and because of culture. Do you see the church in Africa in general? And I, I don't want to say Africa. I shouldn't uh, assume Africa is one one place because it really is many different cultures in a very large continent. But do you see in general that uh, that that the faith is growing there? The church in Africa is growing, especially western part of Africa, eastern part of Africa, and the southern part of Africa. The Christian faith is very, very progressive. There is growth, and you can see the statistics growing. But in North Africa, because of Islamic penetration, the growth might not be as dynamic as other parts of Africa. Today, almost all the dioceses in Nigeria will be able to have their local clergy minister to them. So the vocations in Africa tend to be, because I know we're getting a lot of African priests that are coming to America. Yes, because the church is universal, we collaborate. Today, we are blessed with vocation coming from Africa and coming from Nigeria, coming from other parts of Africa. They are coming here not because we have surplus, because the faith is growing. They, they are coming to assist, to collaborate, because the church is one. Now, do you get this sense that maybe somehow we can get that same excitement and that same fervor here in the United States? But you know, it is Catholic Church. And in the Catholic Church, we have so many dimensions. There are some people who are contemplative. There are some people who are worshiping, and they are ethically involved. So let us make room for people to be involved as much as possible. And But we should also be careful and respect the way people are involved. And that's, that's beautifully put, because one of the great things about being universal, the only way really to remain universal is if in that universality, you allow a certain amount of freedom of expression. Yes, you accommodate differences. To be universal does not mean we should be uniform. That's right, because then what happens is you basically shut down all creativity, all ability to express oneself. You, you start getting into rote memorization and things that would not really be worshiping at that point. Yeah, right. Very good. All right. Tom, yes, you know, sir. we've had a wonderful discussion here about the Universal Church and also some about the church in Africa. So we're going to rate this show. We have to rate it. Absolutely. I'd say on a scale of zero to six, I'd give it a six. A six. All the way up there. Six. Batting a thousand. Father Elias, that's very good. He rated it a six. So that's, that's a obviously it's good. Six out of six. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he owes you 20 bucks, right? Is that how that works? <laughs> no. no, just kidding. Keep your money. Keep your money, Father. Um, let's do this, though. Let's close in prayer. All right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, you gave us the everlasting gift of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. In your mercy, continue to guide and protect her from all error and evil so that she may continue to shine as a beacon of hope for a world in doubt. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.